This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. This is News Talk. I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain today. So let's get right to what's on the go. I don't know about the rest of you, but, you know, when my favorite sports team or anything Team Canada, really, or Team NL, when they lose, I kind of really feel it. I don't bet or anything. It's not a betting thing. It's not a money thing. It's just kind of downer when I wake up the next morning after, say, a bad Jays loss, for example, which is what they had last night. So I get up this morning looking forward to, you know, with some trepidation about this morning's World Cup women's soccer match against Ireland. Kind of torn there, of course, with Irish roots. But uh, given that they really had to get a win and three points for any chance to win their so-called group of death. If you're following this, by the way, you know, the World Cup of soccer is on the other side of the world, of course. So they're having our uh, cold spring which is what they had this morning, I mean, our time. Uh, Wet sideways, rain, 12 degrees. Anyway, uh, they're in the so-called group of death, and, you know, if they want to qualify, let alone uh, win the group, they had to win today. So on top of the Jays' loss and then the early goal against Team Canada, if you were watching this morning, things were looking pretty dire there for a while. But they did what the good teams do, really, and they found a way to win and uh uh, Canada ranked seventh, Gortha Ireland 22nd, and they came back and beat the Irish 2 to 1. And kind of sad now, I'm just looking at the newswire here, and Sinead O'Connor passed away, has died at the age of 56, so it's a bad day all around for Ireland, I guess. Sad day. Um, that loss, of course. Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. I don't know where you were when that song came out, but uh, how about you, Funts? I was, I was, uh, Free, that was early 90s. 1990, I believe. Yeah. And um, I was, what was I, 90? I would have been, I would have been about 10. No, mm. I would have been 12. I would have been 12 in 1990. But you still knew that song. Yeah, I knew that song. And I it was I everywhere. Watched, I, I was just starting to get into Saturday, Saturday Night Live. Uh, you're such a young pup. When she performed that and <laughs> tore up the picture of the Pope. And That's oh, right. everybody lost their mind. And, um, That's right. Yeah. Joe Pesci was on the following week and tore up a picture of Sinead O'Connor. Mm. Oh, yeah. That was, that was yep. high controversy back then. She, uh, <laughs> She, yeah, she did not suffer fools gladly. She, uh, nope. she told it. She spoke her mind. Had a lot of great uh, causes, and of course, she one of the biggest causes was she was a um, big advocate for mental illness herself. Mm-hmm. There's no cause of death. Only 56 years old. It seems so, so young, yeah. but no cause of death released formally yet. And she had tour dates booked into next year, so this would seem like there might have been something sudden. We don't know. Yeah, she was going through a. a st- poor a bad mental health stint over the last two years Absolutely. and i know at one point she was actually living in a motel in new jersey mm. right so yeah. some hard, of the heartbreak uh yeah i mean uh, that kind of stardom that big one hit and uh, it just took off for there but um you know a life well lived as short as it was so um back to the sports angle though as uh, all is well again on the sports thing except that lost opportunity for the jays last night i can't get over that brutal it's all about the manager for me at this point and that's all i'm going to say what else on the go this just in it's hot 
Yeah, and, and actually, I just my my parents are living the uh, the <laughs> the life of gypsies traveling around the island in their motorhome, and my mom just Love texted it. me that they just drove through uh, leading tickets on or leading tickles on their way to Botwood. Extremely heavy rain. Uh, one of their friends who's yeah. traveling ahead of them said that uh, they experienced hail yep. on the road and a bit of thunder and lightning as well. So, I saw. I might have seen that in a couple of newscasts on television last night as well. Man. Wow. Well, this was in the last, yeah, in the last 10 minutes. Yep. These heat sort of uh, compressurized areas yep. in the midst of all the humidity and uh, yep. does funny things. I was in Calgary once, caught in a hailstorm. They were the size of baseballs. I'm wow. not kidding. And all I could, cars on the road were getting pummeled and everybody was running indoors yep. to get out of it. And all I could think was, whoa, insurance companies. And, and here Holy. in Newfoundland, we'll, we'll say that little microscopic bits of ice that fall from the sky mm. that aren't snowflakes we'll call that hail yeah no and and mainland and people who experience real ha- hail like softball size even golf ball size they're like no yeah. it's not that's not hail in the middle of a chinook in, in calgary in june mind you that wow. was that right? was a long time ago can't experience i've never experienced it yeah no it was scary the size of the things so i was like how are people not getting seriously injured i guess they just knew to run inside anyway richard duggan earlier our own richard duggan tweeted the temp on the City Hall clock tower in downtown St. John's, that was 1.30, and at that time, 31 degrees Celsius. And that's almost 90 degrees Fahrenheit, and boy, oh boy, it feels like it. We're not, ma- we're not, we're not made for this type yeah. of heat. Well, we better get used to it, because uh, it's, yeah. it's, without it's, getting into that whole kettle of uh, last, last summer was hot, this summer's hot. Yep. Guess what? Next summer's going to be hot. Yep. And the bra- uh, everybody breaking records in June and July. Um, so not much else to say there other than don't be so quick to dismiss all those warnings about the heat. Hydration, sunscreen, limit the physical exertion a bit, because uh, Fancy absolutely right, you know. It's not something we are generally used to, except for little uh, periods of it during our nice summers, um, when we get nice summers. Uh, I like to do both sides of Signal Hill, Cockles Cove and up Cockles and then down the actual hill. But I'm not so sure I'd be at that today. Let's see. What else is in the news? Of course, um, Douglas Snellgrove, of course, he's still technically an RNC officer. He will go before the appeal judge again this uh, week on Friday, actually, to... Well, he'll go into the appeal court, but this is to see if he can get bail while his appeal of his conviction um, works its way through the Supreme Court of Canada up along. They are uh, in the the midst of deciding whether or not they'll hear the case. The Supreme Court has to decide that it will give leave. In other words, it will agree to hear the case before it just um, agrees to hear the appeal. So that um, could, it normally takes two to three months on average. I mean, who knows? Some are quicker than others, but anything that gets their attention um, and is of uh, any significant uh, judicial, uh, you know, could set precedent or have any other uh, large waging implications for the rest of the public and the justice system overall uh, gets the attention of the Supreme Court. And we'll see if this case in particular, there are a lot of issues. I'm not going to get into all the intricacies of it, but um, suffice to say, there are some tangly legal arguments uh, that are being worked through, and we'll hear probably in the next month or so whether or not um, uh, they will hear the appeal. But in the meantime, on Friday, he will seek bail again. He's currently... Um, uh, Doug Snellgrove is incarcerated at Spring Hill Institution in Nova Scotia. And that can't be easy time at all, certainly, as a police officer, which he technically still is. So, um, 
Yeah, on Friday, they will um, apply for bail so he can be free until the Supreme Court decides whether they hear the case. And if they do, he'll remain, for all intents and purposes, free until that is decided. But uh, let's get a little bit ahead of ourselves. Bail hearing on Friday. And... um, Speaking of the heat, just getting back to that for a minute, I don't know if it's just the heat that does this, but we've had two incidents today now uh, where um, RCMP were dealing with uh, incidents, they said, um, in uh, Spaniards Bay and now in Swift Current. Now, the Spaniards Bay incident has been resolved, and there's a man in custody. Um, The Swift Current incident we're still just getting information on. So they're just asking people to stay away, uh, keep the doors, windows locked, while they respond to um, just basically what they're saying is an unfolding incident happening in the area of Shoal Cove Heights. So uh, once again, that's all we have for now. We're keeping an eye on it. Uh, And this is in Swift Current. And let's see, uh, what else is another big news today? Of course, is the big, big old cabinet shuffle by Prime Minister Trudeau in Ottawa today, particularly clearing, practically, I should say, clearing the decks, as one Bill Rowe would like to say. Um, so Ministers O'Regan and Goody Hutchings are still in cabinet, but they have added duties now. So um, Seamus O'Regan is the Labour Minister. He will also be now responsible for seniors. That one seems to make good sense. You know, Veterans Affairs before... Uh, that he oversaw, and he and others around our vintage, you know, know only too well about caring for seniors, uh, our parents specifically, but relatives as well, and grandparents, and the compassion required, especially those living with illnesses like dementia, and et cetera, and that sort of thing. So that whole discussion, controversy around assisted suicide and euthanasia, some really big issues there so uh, to be tackled, and Seamus would seem like the good guy to do it um, for the elderly. And in particular interest around these parts, of course, and I should mention Goody Hitch, uh, Hutchings as well, in addition to uh, rural infrastructure and that sort of thing, Minister, she now takes on the, makes sense, common sense, uh, takes on the added uh, duties responsible for ACOA. So that's as well there. But as I was just mentioning um, around these parts, we're always curious to see what happens with the fisheries minister. And we have a new one. And this uh, fisheries minister is from Quebec, uh, MP Diane Le Boutillier replacing Joyce Murray, who was from the West Coast. And from what I can see, previously Minister of uh, National Revenue is um, this Quebec MP, Diane uh, Minister Le Boutillier, was the former Minister of National Revenue. So she was only elected to Parliament in 2015. Nothing in her background that I can see regarding the fishery other than the riding she represents, which is Gaspésie in um, Les Îles de Madeleine, Quebec. So... uh, uh, that area, of course, known for the seal. I'm sure she's quite familiar with the seal industry, at least as far as the controversies go. And also a mother and her background in social work. So um, quite possible also that none of the MPs from here probably wanted the portfolio. And can you blame them? It's really a rock and a hard place kind of job. Uh, darned if you do and darned if you don't sometimes. Uh, but enough for me. Coming up after the break... Uh, we're going to have a chat with uh, the president of the FFAW, Greg Pretty, and to see what he thinks of today's cabinet shuffle and specifically, of course, the new fisheries minister. I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain and on Target. We'll be on Target. News Talk. We'll be right back. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings.
Welcome back to the program. Just before we get to um, uh, FFAW President Greg Pretty, we have an update on that uh, situation in Swift Current Fonts. What do you got? Yes, the RCMP have sent out an email to all media, and it states that the RCMP is searching for an individual in Swift Current reported to be carrying weapons with intent to use them. Oh, great. Yeah, I know. Residents must stay inside with doors and windows locked. Other uh, uh, Others, please avoid the area, and please watch for updates. So... As they have more available, they'll be sending it out to us. Yep, and we'll put it up right away. Put it on for you, for anyone of uh, remember that uh, great <laughs> money movie back from the 80s. Uh, I'll throw that out there. But uh, as I was saying before the break, so get this. Since Confederation, six ministers have been from this province. Since fi- six uh, ministers of fisheries have been from this province. First being former Lieutenant Governor of St. John's East MP Jim McGraw back in the 70s. He was followed by John Crosby, Ross Reed, Brian Tobin, Fred Mifflin, Loyola Hearn. Now, Loyola Hearn was a minister in 2006, and that's the last time um, a fisheries minister hailed from this province. 17, I'll say it again, 17 years ago in 2006 and counting. And now we have Quebec MP Diane Le Boutillier, who replaces Joyce Murray, and she's a Quebec MP replacing a BC MP. So at least we have an East Coaster of sorts, uh, Magdalen Islands anyway, so they have familiar with seals. Greg Pretty, how are you this afternoon? What do you think of today's, uh, uh, well, what do you think of the new fisheries minister? Well, first of all, hi, Brian. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Uh, Sorry, I should have been more polite in my, uh, my introduction. Oh, not, no, not at all. Not thanks at for all. calling. It's summer. Um, yes, we had uh, well, a little surprised, uh, but, uh, you know, quite, uh, quite happy uh, with this new minister. Um, we did, uh, of course, uh, we, we checked her out. We have um, uh, fellow harvesters in Quebec on, on the Quebec North Shore. Mm-hmm. And, and the Gas Peninsula and New Brunswick, who are familiar with her, and we've already spoke with them. So we're looking forward to a, a, a quick meeting with her. Uh, so, you know, the important thing here is, you know, what you just said, we haven't had a, a Newfoundland Labrador minister since, I think it was 2006. Yeah. Um, the important thing here in many respects is that the individual, you know, the Minister of Fisheries uh, portfolio is probably the most powerful uh, minister in, in Canada. And we've known that very well throughout the years. What makes what, what makes the, the, the fisheries minister more important than, say, the finance minister? Well, I, I guess the finance minister can kind of issue your wages. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. But when you say powerful, yeah, yeah. The real, the real issue here is they, that minister uh, has, has the ability uh, to set people's right. livelihoods. Uh, and and various species, and that's pretty powerful. Plus, the enforcement regime that the department has is uh, probably only second to uh, to the RCMP. And all that said, uh, though, I mean, it's on advice of, uh, it's on the advice. I mean, she doesn't handpick them and and make those decisions herself. I mean, there's always, it's kind of like those who are appointed to cabinet. You get you know advice from whether it's science. <laughs> we can go there if you like. <laughs> No, no, we yeah, we can. There's no question about yeah. it. But she also has the right to pick her staff. Right. And here, here's what's significant about uh, about her, and it's this: she comes from an area that has a very solid background. Now she doesn't have to be in the boat, but her constituents fish shrimp, just like we do. Mm-hmm. They fish reds, just like we do. They fish crab. She's right on 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 the cusp of that uh, 
that area of crab in the Gulf. I mean, she's a Gulf person. Many of our members are. We have, there's a lot in common here. The seal issue that you already raised is also an important one. So she will have a background, and she does have a background in some of these species. And that's important because how that's applied, how these policies are applied, are extremely important to harvesters' incomes and the and the future of our rural uh, communities. So that's important. So I'm I am excited mm-hmm. about that, and we're going to have a hopefully in short order, we'll have a meeting with her, and we lay out our priorities uh, as we move forward. So I think it's a. In many respects, it's a, it's a reset, and um, I'll tell you this one. Uh, I, uh, I first of all, I, you know, I wish the best to Joyce Murray. I've had uh, I had about four meetings with her, and uh, I respect I respect her frankness. I respect her directness. Uh, when you left a meeting with uh, Joyce Murray after a meeting with Joyce Murray, when you left the room, you had no doubt whether or not she was. Uh, what her position was. You knew that very well. So I respected that. Uh, however, however, uh, there are some very significant issues going on with DFO in this province uh, that we need to address. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, and our membership is hopeful, that we can uh, move forward with lots of these items. What tops that list right now, Greg? Well, one of the things... Uh, uh, maybe the most important one right now is, and I said this earlier today, I want to see DFO and St. John's hang out their shingle and say, we're open for business. And they really weren't up to now for whatever reason. They didn't do the surveys that were so critical to the future of this province, so critical to uh, the incomes of harvest, they're so critical to communities. You need the boats, you need the investment, you need the vessels to do these surveys. They were short on that. And they need to get uh, to get those vessels, get those surveys completed. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's just an excuse for them to say no. The other issue is that the engagement with harvesters going forward. Now, I've noticed since around 2013, I've said this to Joyce Murray, you know, since 2013, there's a kind of a detachment there's a detached uh, relationship between DFO and harvesters. Like they, they, they're in the bunker where they really should be out there doing the things they get paid to do. So we want to see that. We want to see that engagement with harvesters on the different species. So these are critical. You know right now we have the mackerel closed. It's closed again this year. We didn't get a bump in northern cod. For God's sakes, huh? Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, and I know you guys follow it, uh, in this province, what's going on with cod now, that if they couldn't give us uh, two to five, six thousand uh, ton increase. What does that say? And that's, that's like, well, what are you doing? Hmm. Uh, particularly. Do you believe the science you know, is solid on that? The, the catch rates are solid, that's for sure. And, you know, you can't say to us, they can't say to us, you know, I'm sorry, we didn't do a survey last right. year, so we can't give any cut. I mean, that's just too convenient. Yeah. Uh, we, we, have, we have our own science, uh, and uh, the trends are up. But, you know, interestingly enough, they announced the food fishery before they announced uh, <laughs> the commercial fishery. It seemed, I know, I can't, it seemed. Well, you, know, mm. you know, the deal, that's, that's, uh, that's just, uh, 
just ridiculous. I mean, the mandate's not for the recreational fisheries, for the harvesters, the wealth of uh, plant workers, and the communities. So, just uh, so we got we need to change that mindset. And j- listen, just for, I'm coming up close to the to the bottom of the hour, run out of time. But just quickly um, on the Capelin, um, happy with the catch rates? Yeah, we are. We are happy with the catch rates, no question about it. Uh, and uh, once again, uh, uh, firm uh, outfits like Oceana, right, spend a lot of their time. The fundraising organizations spend a lot of time, like knocking, knocking uh, that fishery. You know, uh, and you got to be very suspicious of people who say, "Look, the only way to, to, to save this, to, to, to do something different here to save this fishery is to close it." You know, yeah. up to now, up to now, Brian, that the predation on that species is basically seals, and they're unwilling to do anything with that. So that's a bit of a, a phony argument. I'm sure it raises funds from across Canada, but we do have a successful uh, uh, capelin fishery up to now. Uh, we need some more buyers on it, but uh, you know that stock can take that little bit of a fourteen thousand ton quota. It's, it's pretty insignificant overall. Gotcha, uh, Greg. Last thing, um, just wondering. You know, obviously we're, we're we're through that whole juggernaut of crab prices this year. Um, just where is the what stage are we at now with at least preparing or trying to get something in place for a to prepare for next season rather than again having the last second i mean is is the funding model formula going to be revisited what do you think will happen good news on that front uh, we have we have the, the province the, uh, the premier minister of labor and the minister of fisheries and asp we're all on board to start cracking on that on that formula issue uh, right away. Are there any uh, meetings or anything like that planned right now, or timelines? No, we're, in, we're in, yeah, we're in planning stages. It's uh, it'll it'll probably be towards the end of August, but we're going to kick that off. Great. It's extremely important that we get that in place. The other thing we have to look at is a review of FOS, the final offer selection. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we went through a rough uh, year, uh, as as everybody mm-hmm. knows, and uh, people are not happy with that system uh, for for good reason. And we need to revisit that, fine-tune it, and tweak it for the species that we need to deal with. But, you know, I am hopeful, our communities are hopeful that we can, and there seems to be a willingness on everybody's part to get this thing up and going. So we're looking forward to that. Well, that sounds great. I, I, you know, we all hope that that will come to fruition. We won't have to deal what we did again uh, next year that we did with this year. This year. Uh, Greg, thanks so much. Uh, right up against the clock. Uh, thanks for making time this afternoon. Enjoy the rest of this lovely sweltering weather. All the best, Brian. Cheers. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Bye. That's Greg Pretty, FFAW president. Um, just coming up to the bottom of the hour here with news. And Noah Shepard, I'm Brian Callahan, in Flynn to Swain on News Talk. We'll be back after the break. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Welcome back to the program. This is uh, News Talk. Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain on this lovely hot Wednesday afternoon, but quite cold and chilly in the booth or in the studio. It's comfortable. Yeah, it's a good thing I brought uh, extra clothes. Um, Yeah, it's one extreme to the other. When you walk out, it just hits you. Uh, So today, a week from today, actually, um, weather permitting, the regatta, St. John's Royal, St. John's regatta will uh, hopefully 
get the go ahead. I remember, I think it was last year, it was delayed by a day, but a um, little early yet, about a week out to say for sure what will happen weather-wise. But regardless of that, today they held the um, uh, annual, of course, induction of Hall of Fame members, two people inducted into the St. John's uh, Royal St. John's Regatta uh, Hall of Fame today at an event downtown. We have, of course, uh, two names, of course, if you follow the regatta at all, that won't um, certainly won't become so much of a surprise. Ed Williams in the category, uh, in the rower category, and Charles Cook in the category of builder. And uh, so both had a few uh, words to share and uh, how appreciative they were today, beginning with Mr. Cook. Uh, President Kennel, Your Worship, Mayor Breen, uh, Royal St. John's Regatta Committee, uh, Hall of Fame Committee, um, Minister Cody and uh, Minister Abbott, uh, Regatta Committee members, invited guests, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I would like to congratulate Ed Williams on his induction into the Hall of Fame. I hope will not, Ed will not mind to make this comment, but goes to his tenacity during training with his championship crews. I understand that early on, early on during the winter months, Ed and his teammates would go to Atlantic Place to run inside the parking garage, up and down each of the levels. One evening, my father, Charlie, coming home, came by Ed running, not sure if on Canaz Hill or Logie Bay Road, but in a blinding snowstorm. He stopped Ed to find out what was up and offer a ride. Ed said he was a regatta and that he had run from home, out of Cove, I believe it was at the time, to Atlantic Place to run laps, and then he was now running back home. That's the kind of commitment that Ed had to rowing and to his Congratulations, Ed. Well deserved. Being selected as an inductee into the Royal St. John's Regatta Hall of Fame is indeed an unexpected honor. It was announced by Don Kelly that I was inducted. I was at a loss for words, and I know some of you think that's really, really funny, uh, <laughs> as I really am. I almost always have something to say. My goal in joining any volunteer organization is to support it to my fullest through my energies, abilities, and to promote and further the goals of the organization. The regatta is truly a St. John's historical event steeped in 205 years of history and grandeur, in which I take great pride in saying I am a member. That may certainly sound corny to some, but without active volunteers, many organizations have and will fail. In reflecting on my time and involvement with the Royal St. John's Regatta, I realize I have not missed many events, although I must admit I did miss one regatta day, I can't believe that, uh, since being elected a member. It would have been my 25th consecutive year at that point. I've spent so much time regatta-related that my wife, without doubt, felt like a widow from time to time. Thank you for your patience, Andrea. I've had many great and fun times from rowing in the 1970s, late 70s, and from being on the committee, and I must bet, and I have met some very amazing people, both members and regatta supporters, many of whom have become friends and mentors. I did not join for what I can receive from being a member, but what I can give and foster to grow. Being recognized for my efforts is truly humbling. I'd like to thank Chris Neary for proposing and crafting my application so eloquently. And you just heard it. I only heard parts of it after I was uh, told that I've been uh, nominated to, uh, to become a member of the Hall of Fame. And I also have to thank my wife, who I understand uh, was picking my brain for quite some time. I still can't believe she managed to get away with that one. Uh, for providing information to Chris in the day in his research. I had no idea this was being prepared. I, like I say, I only saw Chris's submission several days after the official announcement. To the Hall of Fame Committee, thank you for bestowing this honor. Oh, and by the way, stand by. There's more to come. And that is Charles Cook, uh, one of the two new inductees into the St. John's, Royal St. John's, I can't say it right the first time, the Royal St. John's 
Regatta uh, here in St. John's. Um, we're going to go to the second inductee in a moment, but we have, uh, as you've been following in our BLCM news, of course, a serious incident uh, unfolding in the Swift Current area. Now, this is Placentia Bay, of course, uh, Swift Current, um, just beyond the Isthmus. And so if you're going out the highway, you turn down at Goobies and you'll eventually come to Swift Current. So it's in that area, and um, Franz, what do we got? What's the very latest? I know we had no updated in the news, but I think we should keep people abreast of anything. It, yeah, it may be the exact same update that Noah had in the news, but this one, of course, just popped in from the RCMP on email, and it says police are searching in Swift Current for Tony Farrell of Marystown. He's believed to be armed and violent. Uh, report any sightings to 911. Do not confront him yourself, and the road in Swift Current is closed. Right, and uh, we now have, of course, up on our website as well a picture of tony farrell which is always very helpful of course assuming he you know isn't disguised in some way but um it is on our website with all the detail a picture of the gentleman and and hopefully this is resolved as quickly and as efficiently and um non uh incident and incident free such as the earlier incident in spaniards bay uh, earlier this afternoon um, so we'll keep you updated. Anything develops with that, I'll pop in immediately and let you know. In the meantime, anyone in the Swift Current area, just uh, lay low, lock it up, as the police have said, and uh, wait this one out, and hopefully it'll be resolved as soon as possible. Getting back to the Royal St. John's Regatta induction ceremonies for the Hall of Fame today, uh, we just heard from Charles Cook, who was inducted in the builder category. Um, anyone who's been around the lake at all will know Ed Williams, and he was inducted today as a rower. And uh, he'll say himself that he could go on forever, and he doesn't quite go on forever, but quite a bit today, and it was a, a great speech. Here you go. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for voting for me. My God, it feels like Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, who, those who are familiar with me uh, can come to the conclusion really quick that I can stand up here and talk about the regatta for three weeks straight, nonstop. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I want to thank, uh, so blessed to have my kids here, my daughter Jade, my son Brent, uh, Jade who's uh, doing very well with her career, and my boy here who's actually most likely a better athlete than I ever was, he's a three-time national uh, Waco kickboxing champion, so that's something to be proud of for sure. Uh, my beautiful wife Connie, sorry, my handsome father, Ed. You senior or junior? <laughs> and friends. Uh, as it was stated earlier, I did uh, start rowing in 87. A young man by the name of Craig James asked me to row. And uh, I said, sure, because it was 1987 and we were all bored to death. <laughs> we, uh, we started rowing uh, seven weeks before the regatta. And um, we never had a coxswain. Uh, at that time, there was a gentleman at the boathouse. His name was Albert Joy. He was actually the uh, the uh, coxswain for the Hotel Newfoundland crew back in the late 50s. Albert Joy was always a great fellow. I loved sitting down and talking to Albert because he had such a he had so much knowledge of the old time regattas, and of course, I love the history of the regatta in itself, right? Uh, so yeah, Albert took us out for the first week, and. Um, we, we got a full-time uh, coxswain after a while. We, our very first race, we won, which was a great uh, result. We actually won by 12 boat lengths, and that's unheard of. That, that doesn't happen in the regatta. So I'm not sure what happened to the other crews, but we won by 12 boat lengths. It was awesome. So I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked on rowing. 
Um, after a while, I got a job at the boathouse, and being around the boathouse uh, all the time, you got to realize the who's who of the regatta, the best of the best. And, uh, you know, I, I used to look up to crews like Stockley and, and Outer Cove and the police crews and whatnot, and they were always so much faster than everybody else. And I just admired them so much, and I wanted to be those guys so badly. So 1990 came along and I finally got the championship race. My goal was to make the championship race. People got to realize that it's actually very difficult to be in the championship race just to get there. So that was a big accomplishment uh, in the 90s. It was, it was just, a, it was, I was just so happy. I remember going down the pond, we, we did a turn, we came back and we, we got dead last. But that was okay, you know, because it was our first time and that's the way it should be. You should pay your dues uh, to become a, a champion. Um, I'm just going to highlight a few things. I mean, again, I can stay here all day. Um, uh, back in 94 and 95, I got asked to row with East Coast Marine. Uh, they were a bunch of young fellas who uh, were, they had bad intentions and their training was, they certainly elevated my training for sure. I remember... Uh, training down in East Coast Marine. They were so good to us. There was a, a, a training facility upstairs in the building. And uh, we used to put 25 pound plates on our back and put it on the old knapsack, you know, and run up Signal Hill. We used to do that three days a week. It was absolutely, it hurt and I loved it because I love the feeling of being in shape. I love, uh, you know, testing myself. East Coast Marine actually fabricated a uh, Gander Riverboat for us. And we used to put it out in the Kitty Gulf. And in the wintertime, the fishermen would uh, break open the ice for us just, to, just so we could have our spins, you know. So it was a great community thing. They really backed us up, and that was fantastic. We never won the championship race, but uh, we did row 914, which was uh, a good time uh, for sure. But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't looked at as a great time. And that'll give you an indication how, how, how much faster everybody else was. I mean... Rowan 914 and considered it's an okay time, you know, so. Then uh, 1999 came, uh, NTV asked me if I was uh, interested in rowing, and of course I was. And everything elevated again. The training, the coaching, and 1999, as was stated earlier, was uh, when I won the championship. I hate to say when I, because obviously it's a sport of uh, wheeze. But uh, it was my first year winning, and that was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, to come over that line and be the reason why the gun went off and be the reason why everyone was cheering, it was, it was such a fantastic feeling. Uh, we ended up rowing, uh, sorry, we ended up winning three times more uh, with that crew. And our wins never really came easy with that crew. Like, I think three out of the four times we won the championship race, we, were, we lost in the morning. And we had to come back and regroup and, and fight for the win, which was, you know, it's very difficult. It's very easy to win when you're ahead. But when you got to row through another crew to win the championship, it's, it's, it's a difficult task. So I'm quite grateful for the NTV days for sure. Uh, speed this up a little bit. 2006, myself and Ron Witten and Bert Hickey had a conversation. Through that conversation, uh, the Crosby Industrial Services team was born. 
Uh, we found out quite quickly that we were a fast crew. We were doing some pretty fast splits very early on, late May. Uh, we surprised ourselves. Uh, so it, just, it was just an indication that things were working. And uh, we rode, we went for time, and we rode 8.55 in practice. So we went into the regatta with a, a two-second window because uh, obviously the record at the time was 8.57.14. That morning we went uh, down to the pond. We, we, we did the course and we came in and we rode 8.59. So we were two seconds shy of the record. And we were devastated. We were distraught. We were upset. And I still say to all the guys that we were the only crew that ever rode under nine and were upset about it. You know what I mean? But that's where our head was. Uh, but it gave us the reason to come back in 2007. We knew that we had a chance, we had a shot to beat the record. Uh, we, we elevated our training again. And in 2007, we came back and rode 849 in practice. Some say 847, some say 848, but the watch I saw said 849. So we'll go with that. Um, we went into the... We went into the, that morning and we rode uh, 8.54, and that was fantastic. It was, it was a great feeling. It was all that I ever dreamed of. And uh, we came back the next, in the championship race, obviously, as was stated earlier, rode 8.51.32. Um, I remember Siobhan Duff, we all know Siobhan, she was on Cable 9, and uh, on the broadcast she said, um, they are, all, they are all experiencing what we all dream of. And that's exactly what rowing is about. Rowing is about people and individuals trying to fulfill their dreams. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I actually had a bunch of fellows with me that had the same dream that I had. And uh, so that, that, was, that was just fantastic. I'll just leave you with this. In, in 1991, uh, Smith Stockley Outer rode 859.42. They were the first crew to ever row under nine. And it was absolutely outstanding. I seen grown men cry. I seen people jumping up and down like they just, I don't, like like they just opened up the best Christmas gift that they ever had in their life, you know. And I just remember the feeling of how extraordinary that was because nobody ever experienced that before. Nobody ever went officially that fast before. And it was absolutely something uh, that stuck with me forever. And in that broadcast, Dee Murphy. When Stockley Outercove came over the line, Dee Murphy said, you've just seen history, history, history. And I just want to say I'm so proud and so honored to be a part of the Royal St. John's Regatta history. Thank you very much. That's just great. That's Ed Williams there. He was inducted today uh, formally into the Royal St. John's Regatta Hall of Fame as a rower. And before him, Charles Cook in as a builder. A nice reference uh, shout out there, too, by Ed Williams to um, both uh, Siobhan Duff back in the day and as well as, of course, the late, great Dee Murphy. Um, history, history, history. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, so much more I could say. I'm so tempted to go on about D. Uh, great guy. But um, only so much time, and we're well over for the break. So we're going to take a break here on News Talk and uh, be right back uh, right after this break. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your... Or VOCM. 
Welcome back to the program. Just enough time uh, to get in um, one last uh, bit here this morning. Um, uh, let's see. Finance Minister Siobhan Cody, yes, was uh, downtown today at the Atlantic Canada Aerospace and Defence Association holding its 10th annual Maritime and Arctic Security and Safety Conference here. It's a nice big coup for the city. They're here all week with this conference. Um, three days. Uh, takes place annually. Um, in the capital and focuses on the challenges and opportunities associated with northern and maritime environments uh, all around safety and security. And specifically this year, they'll be looking at the Atlantic Canadian companies, how their work impacts emerging you know, threats around the globe, not just in our own backyard. So uh, Finance Minister Sean Cody opened the second day of the conference this morning downtown. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. The 10th anniversary, I, I find it hard to believe that 10 years has sped by and the growth and opportunity in this sector is amazing. You know, Newfoundland and Labrador has approximately 50 companies now in, this, in the aerospace and defense companies with over 1,600 employees and about $330 million in sales and services contracts. And it is a growing and exciting industry. Through our provincial post-secondary institutions, we aim to educate and train and prepare Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and those from across the country and around the world to work in this industry and to continue to grow. College of the North Atlantic delivers two Transport Canada accredited aerospace programs, including aircraft maintenance, engineering technology, and aircraft structural repair technician. You know, there's about 80 students, and uh, the graduates are very excited for what's happening in this industry. There's lots of aerospace and defense companies also working closely with Memorial University on the development of the unmanned vehicle systems and remote operated vehicles. And of course, we all saw, saw how important ROV is when we, were, we watched uh, the Ocean Gate submersible and what happened, the tragedy that happened there. So we know how important ROV is. And in addition to our world-class facilities used for product research and testing, there are a number of research institutions here helping to expand the capacity and capability of our knowledge base, including Seacord, the Genesis Center, and the Marine Institute of Newfoundland and Labrador, to uh, name but a few. Newfoundland and Labrador's strategic location here on the edge of the North Atlantic between Europe on one side and Canada and the United States on the other has made us a key player in many historic events. We've been a fortress throughout the years and we carry on that tradition by providing civil and military commands with training and surveillance in harsh northern environments while protecting the North American airspace. This represents a great opportunity to further grow our companies and industries here in the province. At the most recent Premier's meetings earlier this month, Premier Fury highlighted our province's focus on Arctic security and the role we can play today as well as into the future. And our government recognizes the importance of Arctic security and sovereignty to all Canadians. That importance is only further highlighted by the ongoing geopolitical instability caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the impacts of climate change that are experienced more acutely in this region. And our thoughts go to Nova Scotia, uh, who have had a 
really horrific week, and uh, I know that it's a very tragic, but we're here to help in whatever way we can. Now, Labrador has a particularly significant role in relation to security and sovereignty of Canada's Arctic. It serves as a staging ground for national defense assets in the eastern north and for environmental protection and monitoring activities as demand for our natural resources and commercial traffic increases. And we also see activities in civil aviation, in military, in maritime surveillance, security, and space. So our goal here is to accelerate conditions necessary to foster innovation and adopt new technologies and increase employment. We have the location, research institutions, and people who understand and are experienced in working in harsh environments. Indeed, we do have that and then some. That's uh, Finance Minister Siobhan Cody speaking this morning down at the Sheraton in St. John's Sheraton Hotel at the uh, 10th Annual Marine and Arctic Security and Safety Conference, which is happening this week, talking about the, uh, especially the impact of local companies with safety and security for all the region, not just here, around the world. So uh, big events, lots of great conventions, of course, being attracted to the city. And so that just about does it for News Talk today. Just a reminder, Newsroom is, um, we're following this um, unfolding incident, as best we can call it, a serious uh, incident in the Swift Current area where RCMP are asking people to please be very careful, stay indoors, lock your doors, lock your windows, um, be on the lookout, and uh, do not approach if you see Tony Farrell. This gentleman, again, his picture is up on the VOCM website. Police are trying to find him, believed to be arms and armed and dangerous. And we are following this story. We'll have the very latest for you as it becomes available, especially in the newscast coming up at the top, the day in review. And last but not least today, happy birthday, Mick Jagger. 80 years young today, Fonz, baby. Just hope for all of us. I got to see him about 17 years ago when he played Magnetic Hill and the man ran from one stage to the other and I was winded just watching him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to, all I'll say is I know a little bit about what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, happy birthday, Mick. Um, be careful out there, folks. Uh, drive safely, arrive alive. VOCM cares. Yes, and stay hydrated too. Stay hydrated too.